Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't you love the Lord? Thank, thank you, worship team. Thank you, Pastor Dennis and Pastor Matthew. Before we uh, come in to have service in the morning, we always have a time in pre-service prayer. And I was sharing with those that were back there for our time in prayer this morning that it's always about 45 minutes before service begins that I begin to feel something just at a gut level. You know what I'm talking about, that gut level kind of stuff where you just, God, that's you, that's you, you're stirring. And I just sensed this morning, and we just talked about being sensitive to the Lord, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Very certain that God wants to minister to us by His Spirit. And so thankful for Psalm 32 and verse 7. You are my hiding place. Isn't it comforting to know that we have a place that we can run and hide in the Lord? That is so cool. I just praise God. Well, it's good to be in the house of God. Amen? Amen. We are believing for miracles. When we announce at the beginning of service that there are slips of paper in the seat backs in front of you for you to write your prayer requests. I want you to know that's your opportunity to share what you are desiring of the Lord. And we pray with you. And what I love about our staff and our elders is we believe the Lord with you. We believe. And it is with expectation that we do look to the mountains. And we make the declaration, our help comes from the Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth. And gang, if He can make heaven and He... He's made the heavens and He's made the earth. That's everything in its entirety in the universe. There's nothing too great for the Lord to do in our lives. He can do it. And He will. And so, please, great or small, will you take time? What is it that you're believing for? Maybe it's an unsaved family member. Maybe it's a son or a daughter who's away from the Lord. A prodigal child. Someone who knows better, but has had their eyes blinded by the God of this age, the devil. I want you to know, we, we believe that they will receive the conviction of the Spirit of God. And as we pray and we agree together that something supernatural happens in the heavenly realms and the avenues wherewith the Spirit of God can bring conviction in their hearts will be opened and they will respond to the Lord. So many of us have made efforts to try and help the Holy Spirit Parents, you know what I'm talking about. So many times we've messed it up when we've done that. If we will but commit to pray, God will move. God will move. So I'm saying, we don't get weary in seeing the multitude of prayer requests. And we certainly don't get weary in seeing the multitude of praise reports. So please, 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 take one, slip it in your Bible, fill it out during the week, bring it on Sunday and put it in, or even now, in the midst of the service, take it out. You can leave it at the sound booth at the end of service, making your way out of the fellowship. Just drop it off at the sound booth. It will get to us, and we will get those distributed, and we will pray. Amen?
Amen. Amen? All right. We're in the book of Revelation this morning. As we continue our walk through the Scripture, we're in Revelation chapter 2. We will be looking at the church of Thyatira. That's how it's properly pronounced. You and I know it in our transliteration, Thyatira. But Thyatira is the name, and it is really defined as an odor of affliction, a hill graveyard, or a continual sacrifice. And so, this church, Thyatira, is a church that has transitioned out of that church era that led up to about 600 A.D., from about 300 A.D. to about 600 A.D., we had the church of Pergamos. And Pergamos, that word Pergamos means mixed marriage. And in the midst of those three centuries, we find the church marrying with really the state, but more importantly, paganism, a mixed and objectionable marriage in the eyes of the Lord. And now, from about 600 A.D. through about 1500 A.D., you and I recognize it as the medieval or the middle ages, the medieval ages is kind of the late portion of that. I call it the axial ages because it's smack dab in the middle of this church period. Thautyra, odor of affliction, stench, hill, graveyard, kind of death if you will. And that's what's happening in the church because it's gone from a mixed marriage in an adulterous scenario into transitioning into really a time where it is absolutely polluted. Polluted by the things of this world. It is filled with perfidiousness. Say that with me. Perfidiousness. Perfidiousness is duplicitous, duplicity, double-mindedness, two-faced, saying one thing and living entirely a different. And so I'm not going to spend time in review this morning. I've done that every week for the last four weeks and certainly Sunday evening. And I want to invite everyone to come back Sunday evening We are continuing our verse-by-verse study. We're midstream in the church of Pergamos. We're going to finish up through Thyatira. It's interesting to note also Thyatira. Thyatira is the smallest of the seven cities that these seven letters had been written to by Jesus Christ himself through John. The smallest of the cities, and yet it is the longest of the letters that Jesus writes. And so there is much to be said, but we will cover the territory tonight in its totality. So I'm going to just pick up with today's message. And I want to read these handful of verses from the Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, turn to page 1081. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. Read a, you won't read along. Follow along with me as we read through the Scripture. And to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, And his feet like fine brass. Let me stop right here for a moment. You might underline that Jesus here claims to be the Son of God. The Son of God. He says of himself. These things says he. These things says the Son of God. Claiming his deity and rightful deity. I know your works. Love, service, faith, and your patience. And as far... As for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow the woman Jezebel, who herself, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. 
Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes, I will, excuse me, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like a like the potter's vessels. As I also have received from my Father, and I will give to him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of the word this morning. There are seven parts to each of these seven letters. We've noted that from week to week, and I would just mention to you some of these seven parts. The address that he makes, which has the appellation, which is the name of the church, and the name of the church carries some weight in relationship to it. And what we're seeing here in Thyatira, this odor of affliction, this hill graveyard or continual sacrifice, there was much that was happening in those Middle Ages amidst the church. Really, this time period, if you will, beginning around 600 A.D. is when it was proclaimed that there was a universal pope that was Boniface III. And really, the birthing of the Roman Catholic Church was in that Pergamus period. And now they have a universal pope, this thing that he had warned even against, and it was going to go further. And so this idea also with continual sacrifice and what we call the Lord's table, they reference even continual sacrifice associated with it, that the actual bread and juice become the physical body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in many uh, churches that is practiced even today in Catholicism. And so... uh, the name means something. And with the Lord, that's, that's a very big deal. This portion of Scripture, if I went into great detail, which I will go into some detail tonight, I think it would be an awakening for those of us who might have Catholic roots, there would be maybe some discovery of what really the doctrine is there. And it's really in a warning. And lest someone be concerned that we would address those issues, let me forewarn you that next Sunday we'll beat up ourselves, the Protestants, as well. Uh, and there really is in these, in these, in these seven letters, there, there is always commendation. The Lord is affirming us but he's also correcting the church. And if you're like me, correction is kind of like, hurts so good. Hurts so good. And so I'm reminded of the father whose son gets the splinter in his foot. And he says, son, I have to hurt you to help you. And I believe that's what the Lord is doing with the body of Christ both then and definitively now. If we will but put our ear to the Word of God, the Spirit is speaking to the body of Christ today. Today. So, the, uh, the, the address with the appellation, Thautyra, odor of affliction, stench, if you will, a hill graveyard. And uh, we must recognize that there may be some things that you and I are engaged in that are odorous, a place of a graveyard, 
and really does not bring forth life but death. And so let's be aware. It's interesting that the adumbration or this partial revelation, if you will, of the Son of God, Jesus himself, he declares he is the Son of God. He is Lord. He is Lord of all. And this church that had established a universal pope and one who would be a mediator, if you will. Jesus says, no, I am the mediator of the church. There is but one mediator between God and man. The man, Jesus Christ. That's what the Word of God declares. And so he was making certain that his revelation of himself in the Word, I am the Son of God, thus says the Son of God, whose eyes are like a flame of fire, whose feet are like fine brass. Brass, throughout Scripture, is representative of judgment. And this one whose eyes are like fire, a refining fire, he is piercing in to the eyes of every believer. Every man, woman, and child who claims to be a follower of Christ, he's piercing with those eyes of fire, and he's refining to the very refining of our souls. If we will but... Look and gaze into his eyes. He brings revelation knowledge in relationship to some of the things that we may be doing that are not for his name's sake, for our own life and our own reputation. And so the beauty is he gives this marvelous affirmation. And the affirmation that he gives is sixfold. It's sixfold. The affirmation, he recognizes works and love and service and faith and patience. And then he references about those works. He says, the latter ones are even greater than the former ones, which really is an indication of a maturity spiritually. And so there's a commendation about growing in the Lord. And so we receive that affirmation. Then we come to the antithesis, if you will, the yes, but... The yes, but. And let me say this about those confirmations, the work and the love and the service and the faith and the patience and the maturity in the Lord. If you are growing in those areas, I just want to also affirm, praise the Lord. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for serving the Lord, for being hearty in ministry, to love richly, to... Express your faith gallantly, if I pronounce that word right. To show forth patience. Parents, we know it's not easy being patient as we're raising kids. Imagine how the Lord feels watching us. Oh, he's patient, long-suffering in our lives as well. And when you've shown that and you're growing in the Lord... Thanks be to God. But he does say, nevertheless, I have some things against you. And it's interesting. He says in Scripture, because you allow. Because you allow. Now, when I hear those words, I hear the word tolerance. Have you heard the word tolerance lately? Have you heard the word, even from a political standpoint, hey, there is a certain level of toleration that should be happening in Christianity. And here, not from the mass media, not from some political individual who might have an agenda, we're hearing from the Lord Jesus Christ, our King, hallelujah. And He says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you tolerate or because you allow the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, one who says she's speaking on behalf of the Lord, but she's not. She's seducing the even the children of God into sexual immorality and not only sexual immorality, but also into eating foods that have been sacrificed to idols. Unless we be confused When the scripture references sexual immorality, it is dealing with definitively sexual immorality, but it also, in the spectrum, it is dealing with spiritual fornication. That double-mindedness, that two-facedness. And the church, 
is plagued. And the lives of believers have been plagued with dual loves. Dual loves. Maybe it's just the love of money. The love of money. Remember Jesus' words, you cannot have two masters. You cannot have two masters. You'll love the one or hate the other or love the other and hate the one. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. And so for the church and for us, I'm thankful for Hillside. I'm thankful for everyone here. I'm amazed at what God is doing in your lives, in our lives, in my wife and my family. And I'm so thrilled. But we must, must, must beware. Because Jesus has written these letters and he says, He who has an ear, grab a hold of your lobe if you've got one. If you've got an ear, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's us. That's us. Let us not be deceived in thinking, oh, that's for the other guy. That's for those other guys. Hey, I'm reading through this stuff, and I I tell my kids, I tell my wife, I tell our staff, God is rocking my ship. I'm so stoked that he's rocking my ship. He's rocking our ship. I pray he's rocking your ship. In fact, I'll tell you, I'm praying that God messes us up. (laughs) He just messes us up. Because we need a little messing to get us focused on the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus. Because you allow that woman Jezebel. We'll talk about Jezebel from the Old Testament tonight in detail. It's worthy reminder. Her end, she was eaten by dogs. That was her end. She caused Israel to fall into deep sin. The cause. Seduces and teaches sexual immorality and foods offered to idols. The admonishment here, he says, Now to you I say, and I think this is where he's pointing to us. Hallelujah. To us. And to all in Thyatira who do not hold to this doctrine. Thanks be to God, we don't hold to this doctrine. But let's not neglect the reality that we, although we may not be holding to the doctrine, that doctrine may be influencing us. Okay? Lest we think, hey, that's, I'm exempt now. We're not exempt. And we should certainly take spiritual stock of where we are. Does that make sense? I hope it does. But he says in an admonition, now to you I say and to that, the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not hold to this doctrine who have not known the depths of Satan. Thanks be to God for the Holy Spirit who keeps us, who leads us, who guides us, who leads us into all truth, the one who is perpetually prompting us and seeking to keep us from falling and giving into and learning the depths of Satan. Thanks be to God for His Spirit. And He says, I will put on you no other burden. I'll put on you no other burden. Doesn't that encourage you? That encourages me. I'm not going to lay another thing. I'm not going to put a heavy load on you. Remember that it was the Pharisees that were the ones who were putting heavy loads on the people in the first century that even they themselves were not willing to bear. Heavy loads. I think the heavy load for us is not a heavy load. Remember Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Here's what I love about Jesus. Slipping into the yoke with Jesus. I get this picture. Jesus, he's just, I mean, if you could imagine for a minute, here's a guy, Jesus, with this massive monster neck. You know, he's, and he's bearing the whole, uh, the, the whole yoke. And then I just come over with my little pencil neck and I just stick my head in there. Boop. 
And he's carrying the whole thing, and I just have to follow along with him. I'm holding on to it because it's kind of loose around my neck. And wherever he goes, I go, and he carries the load. Thanks be to God. We just need to be yoked with Jesus. Amen. He carries the burden. He carries the load. Cast your cares on me because I care for you. He can handle it. Hallelujah. So, he says, I will put on you no other burden. But hold fast what you have till I come. Hold fast what you have till I come. Again, we were reminded in the letter to Pergamos. They were commended because they held fast his name. And I believe in Thyatira, in this time period, there were those who were yet holding fast the name of Christ. And remember from last week, we talked about how that's an ambassadorship. I want to represent the name of Christ well. So I'm going to hold fast to that. I am going to be Christ's ambassador. We talked about how God always, Jesus Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us, He is diffusing the knowledge of God everywhere. That's epic. So let's hold fast and let the diffusing of the knowledge of God happen because we're His children and we walk by faith, not by sight. And we give God the glory. And he gives an assurance and a promise. He says, And he who overcomes and keeps my works till the end, to him I will give the power over the nations. And I will give the morning star. We'll talk about those blessings and those promises again tonight in greater detail. I think if you were to walk away today with three truths from the text, here's what I would want you to walk away with. These three truths. In the church... The Lord Jesus commends service. He commends service. So I want to encourage everyone to be engaged in service to your king. There's ways of serving within the fellowship. There's ways of serving outside the fellowship. But that we would be serving the Lord together. Jesus Christ commends this. He commends them in their ministries. It's the works and the services. He commends them in their motives. Did you catch the motives? Love, faith, and patience. Lord, help me have a greater love and a greater capacity to love. Maybe that's your prayer request today. As you work and as you serve, maybe you've gotten burned out. I know setting and tearing down a church week in and week out and setting up a hospitality and serving in and out and ushering and stacking chairs and breaking chairs down and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, 11 years, do the math. That's a lot of Sundays, 52 in a year. That's a lot of work. I'm tired thinking about it. (laughs) And here we're encouraged. He, he, He commends in the ministries. God help me to love and have faith and have patience in the midst of those. I said to one of our brothers this morning, I said, hey, here's, here's a little light at the end of the tunnel. You ready for this? You ready for the light at the end of the tunnel? It's good times. I think this time next year, we won't be here. <laughs> Isn't that be great? What if like church was well, we'll still have to probably set some chairs up, but we'll do it during the week. It doesn't have to be, you know, all crammed on a Saturday. But we have our own space. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be amazing? Amen. 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 I think, I think, we're, we're, there's little last-minute details that we're making and modifications on our architectural drawings. Uh, but I think we should be turning every last drawing for permits by Friday this week. So, yeah, pretty exciting. Now, some of you thought, well, I thought we were doing that last month. Well, we tried. But we have a lot of changes. And I'll tell you, changes that you would think, why do we have to do that? But some of it is because the kingdom is polluted. And there's even 
strange things that we have to do inside the confines of a building to protect ourselves. That's there's some interesting stuff. I won't go into the details this morning. You have to come tonight and hear about it. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> uh, so be praying with us in those, in those areas. It's exciting. Uh, he commends them in their maturity. Again, that growth going from uh, a certain kind of works to something that was greater in the eyes of the Lord down the line a little ways. Well, that's encouraging. I hope you're encouraged. The second thing I would want you to... Take with you. In the church, the Lord Jesus counters sin. He counters sin. Listen, here's the bottom line. If you know that you're in sin, and likely you know it. If, if you don't know it, I want to, I mean, we should probably talk. If you're like, I, I really don't know if this is like sin or not. I mean, we can, we can just look into the Word of God and it'll help us. I mean, he, t- he says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. That's what the Word of God says, Galatians chapter 5. They're obvious. And then he gives this litany of things. Well, hey, if it's one of those things, hello. <laughs> and here's the thing. If it's sin, then repent and change. Change. It means stop. Especially if you know it. There's a statement, when our knowledge exceeds our willingness to obey, we are on dangerous ground. When our knowledge of sin exceeds our willingness to obey, We are on dangerous ground. If you know in the Lord and you are claiming to be Christ's child, you are, He is your Lord, then let Him be Lord. If He is saying that's sin, guess what it is? It's sin. And He's saying that's not in my kingdom. Then we have to make a choice to follow the Lord. Am I going to give glory to God? Or am I going to give glory to my flesh? Or this world? Or Satan himself? Well, when you put it in those terms, Pastor Dave, of course I'm going to obey the Lord. Okay. Right, church? I mean, ouch. But, right? Yes, yes. I'm, amen. Thank you, Charlie. I mean, this is amen stuff, and yet it's like, man, every time I go to church, I have to do something different. i got to change. We want to grow up in the faith. I know I do, and I know you do. Okay. So, in the church, Jesus commends service. He counters sin. Listen, he'll confront sin. Remember, he said here, not me, nevertheless, I have this against you. That's confronting sin right now. It's in our face. It's in our face. Then he'll convict the saints. He says in the text, I gave her time to repent. The Lord's going to convict. And he'll convict. And he'll convict. And he'll convict. And the conviction is he's just prompting us on the inside. What you're doing is not good for you. Sometimes we want to say, well, how come? (laughs) Anybody ever here want to, you just kind of want to contend with the Lord a little bit? Like, uh, Lord, like, why is that not good? Seems good. He knows best. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's best. And he's righteous and he's always good. Always, always, always. Here's the thing. After he's convicted, 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 when we're not listening, it can trans into the Lord chastises. The Lord chastises those he loves. And the chastisement of the Lord can be in a variety of different ways, but he does it because he loves us, and it's always redemptive in nature. He's always redeeming. I know when I discipline my kids, where are my kids? Don't listen to this. (laughs) When I discipline my kids, most of the time, it was punitive. (laughs) I was just frustrated and ticked. 
boom, you got it. I mean, I can remember sometimes, I'm glad there were not video cameras in my house on some occasions. I remember being hot as a pistol. Hot as a pistol. And I mean, punitive. I never waved the pistol. I mean, hot as a pistol. Kim would remember. You ask Kim. She's got got catalog stories. (laughs) But here's the thing. Here's the thing. God's never that way. Why is he never that way? Because he already exercised the punitive judgment upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, upon the cross at Calvary. Thanks be to God. The punitive damage that I should be receiving, Jesus has received for me. Thanks be to God. So God's discipline or his chastising is always redemptive he's seeking to bring you to him in a greater way and he's seeking to help you and i get into a position where we can receive the maximum blessings of the lord how many of us here by way of inventory would love to receive the maximum blessings of god the max blessing yeah he's looking to help us get there we're the ones pushing against him like get your hands off i'm trying to do my deal that's what we do we resist the lord what does the scripture say for us to do resist the devil and he will flee man Draw near to the Lord, and he will what? Draw near to you. Praise God. As we draw, what a great promise. When I take a step towards the Lord, remember, Mother, may I? Mother, may I take one small step toward God? He's taken this, Jesus, Father, may I? Yes. And he's coming close. And the gap gets reduced and reduced. So let's start running toward the Lord. Guess what he does? He's like the prodigal father. He girds up his loin, tucks that thing in the belt, and he takes off running toward us. Come on. Closing the gap. Praise be to God. Third thing. Incidentally, he chases, chastens stiff-necked people. Do you and I want the reputation of being stiff-necked? That the Lord would define you as being stiff-necked. Is that, is that the uh, legacy you want to leave behind? I don't think so. Wouldn't you want to be tender toward the Lord? Yeah. So we, we receive from the Lord, the chastening of the Lord. And by the way, sometimes the chastening of the Lord... We think, oh no, I'm going to get in trouble. Oh no, he's going to start taking things away from me. Do you know, sometimes the simplicity of the chastening of the Lord is he's just quiet. I want you to think about that for a minute. Sometimes he's just quiet. Maybe you're here today and say, man, I've not heard from heaven for a while. It could be because the Lord's chastening. Because maybe he's already told you something and you've just neglected it. He says, well, I'm just going to be a little quiet here until you respond to what I've already revealed. He's quiet. Quiet. How many times we've said, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I've not heard anything from heaven. Maybe you have. You just don't want to listen right could be could be so keep in mind that's the lord has different ways that he chastens and he gives examples in scripture he gives many many different examples in the old testament it's to the glory of god to conceal a matter it's to the glory of kings to search the matter out if you want to see how the lord chastises i would just encourage you go go look at the nation israel read portions of the old testament you'll see how god seeks to draw his bride or his wife home uh finally the third. So we have Jesus commends service, he counters sin, and he comforts the saints. Thanks be to God. He comforts the saints. <laughs> Concerning our duties, he says, hold fast, stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. I can almost hear like a coach on the side of a football field. Stay the course. Stay the course. 
We got this thing. And he's hollering out at us. You got it. You can do it. You can do it. He would remind us that he has given us every blessing that pertains to life. He's given us every spiritual blessing. All things that pertain to life and godliness, he has already provided for us. And as a coach, he's saying, you got it. That's good news. Stay the course. Hold fast. Concerning our deliverance, he says, stay the course or hold fast till I come. Don't glance over that too quickly. He says, till I come. What does that tell you? He's coming. Right? I mean, our king is coming. Come on. That's so inspiring to me. Man, there is an end to this. (laughs) Hallelujah. Woo! Man. Till he comes. Jesus Christ is coming soon. Thanks be to God. Listen. The trumpet's going to sound. And we're going to be quickened. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing to the church in Corinth, he said, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. He says, Behold, I share with you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We'll not all die. For in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, We will be changed. This mortal will put on immortality. This flesh will put on incorruptible flesh. Hallelujah. And we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will be with him forever. That fires me up. He comforts the saints. Paul, writing to the church in Thessalonica, he says, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I hope around your dinner table, I hope around when you're doing what you do at home, whatever that looks like, you are reminding each other about these things. Hey, when, when, when there's hardship and there's tears and there's grief, it's but for a moment in all reality. Wiping tears away, hugging, loving. Hey, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And in light of eternity, in light of eternity, as big as it seems right now, in light of eternity, it's small. It's small. It's light affliction. It's light. Now, husbands, be careful that you don't say those words too abruptly with your wives. (laughs) You might find out that the affliction gets turned. (laughs) We have to be careful with our words, right? But we want to say these things with gentleness and meekness because in the midst of someone's hardship, it's never easy to receive encouragement when you're broken. And so we say things under the spirit and the unction of the Lord with tenderness and meekness and humility. God's going to help. God's going to help. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. Does that make sense? I jested a little bit about the husband-wife thing, but be tender. Be tender-hearted. He, com- he comforts the saints, duties, deliverance, and ultimately our destiny. To the overcomers, he says, power over the nations, and I'll give you the morning star. Jesus is referred to in the scripture as the morning star. Amen. That's really good news. We receive the Lord. We receive the Lord. We're the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. And we will be together with the Lord forever. And that's exciting. And that day is coming soon. So let me ask these questions and we'll be, we'll be done this morning. Where's the Lord commending you in your works and service? Where is the Lord commending you? Will you just receive his attaboy? He's commending you in what you do in terms of your work and your service for him. Receive the attaboy from the Lord. Where's the Lord countering your sinful ways and your actions? And really, very specifically, are you receiving that conviction? If you're not receiving the conviction, I want to inspire you to receive the conviction of the Lord 
and to repent. If you already know that He's chastising you for some disobediences in your life, will you receive the chastisement of the Lord and recognize that He is loving you and thank Him for it and submit to His Lordship? He'll change your life. It will change your life. I'm telling you, I've known the Lord for 33 years. I'm still growing and I'm still learning and I'm still under varying levels of whether it's uh, discipline or chastisement. But I recognize the more I receive and listen to the Lord, the more liberty I find in the Lord and the more blessing I have from the Lord. And so one brother to another, brother to sister, receive from the Lord. How's the Lord comforting you right now? And do you need comfort? So many came to the altar this morning when we referenced Psalm 32, 7. You are my hiding place. You always fill my hearts, my hearts? No, my heart, with songs of deliverance. Songs of deliverance. Where is he comforting you? Share with someone how the Lord is comforting you. Because the one whom you share, you may not know that they need comfort. So share. These are becoming the testimonies of the Lord. The testimonies of the Lord. And the body of Christ needs to hear the testimonies of the Lord. Every one of us, we need to hear. We, every one of us wants to know that God is engaged in our lives. I love that this past week we had the opportunity to share some testimonies in our life group, and to hear the things that God was doing in people's lives. How rich is that? It's tangible stuff right now happening. And it's what Jesus is doing. And we give glory to God and we look for, oh man, you know what? I didn't even recognize that was God in my own life. Wow, thanks be to God. Amen? Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? Maybe you're here this morning... And as you hear this love letter that has with it affirmations, it has really some correction, and you're here this morning and you say, I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I know the story, but I don't know that kind of love and embrace. And you would like to know the Lord personally. The good news is, is he would like to know you in that intimate way. And so as our worship team is making their way back, I want to invite you, if you would like to know what it means to be a follower of Christ, will you stay back after service for a few moments? Pastor Matthew will be up here in the front, and he would love to share with you thoughts of What the Word of God says in relationship to being born again, to being saved and having your sin forgiven. We would love, love, love to have the opportunity to pray with you today. For the rest of us, whether it's comfort, whether it's that conviction, whatever the Lord would be speaking in your heart today, whatever it looks like for you, will you simply respond to the Lord? Respond to the Lord. Pastor Dennis and the team are going to lead us in this song one more time, and then he's going to have a closing word in prayer. I'd like to pray with you real quickly. Just that word of encouragement as we stand before the throne of God this morning. Father, thank you for the word to, and the letter that you wrote, this love letter to Thaotira, and how it really applies to us collectively and individually. Lord, you commend us in our works and our service, and you commend us with those the motivations of love and faith and patience. And we're praying, God, that all of those would grow in our lives. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. God, will you increase our love and our capacity to love. And Father, we thank you that you're the one who counters our sin. You counter the sin in our lives. I pray, God, that we would not resist the countering of your spirit when there's conviction and Lord, when, when, there, when, it, when it transitions from confronting conviction to chastisement, Lord, we just want to respond to your love. Help us to respond quicker to your Holy Spirit and to the Word of God. And Lord, thank you that you are 
You are the God who comforts. You comfort us. You comfort us with, Lord, our very duties. You comfort us, Lord, with our destinies. And God, you, you simply bring comfort in our lives. Lord, will you comfort each? And may we go from this place with purpose to be your children, to serve you with all of our hearts, to give you the glory, God. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said a strong amen. Let's sing together, Pastor Dennis. Oh, my God, sing it with me. Oh, my God, we will not delay my refuge and strength. I'll always live. fellowship with you and you'll guide our path as we go from here father may that be our motto this week we ask that you bless us in your son's holy and righteous name we pray amen and amen amen have a good afternoon oh my god